Okay, this morning. I um, wanted to start with a cute little story. I guess I kind of did. But, um, but I, I heard a joke this, this week, and I wanted to share it with you guys. And, and it's kind of corny, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. So it's about um, shrimp. And it's about the shrimp. And they, they, they hoard things, they hoard treasure. And the question is, it's a riddle. Do you know why the shrimp, shrimp won't share his treasure? Because he's selfish. Who stole my? Because he's selfish. <laughs> it's corny, it's corny. I thought it was corny when I heard it too. But anyway, getting into the message, getting into the message. Being anchored. How many of you are anchored this morning? Yeah. All right. Thank you, person with the clock. You just started the clock. Amen. God bless you for your obedience. And so uh, we are anchored, and that's what we're called to be. And sometimes being anchored calls us to be anchored in a way or in a position that we don't necessarily care for or like or it's not according to uh, our plan or our purpose. Heard a message this morning and heard a cute little story about a lion. And I'm going to change the story up just a little bit because my family, they heard it too, and I, I, don't, I want it to be a little different. So there's a lion in the jungle, and he had a best friend who was a mouse, and people have been messing with the mouse. So the, the mouse wanted to get the message across that you, you can't mess with me. So he talked to his friend, the lion, and he told his lion, they've been messing, they've been bullying me, so we need to, we need to deal with this so that people know they can have some respect. So the lion lined up everything, everybody in the jungle, and he had them to stand there as he paraded next to them, and he said, listen, I want y'all to know who the king of the jungle is. So the mouse is standing there with the lion, and he's standing in the lion's mane. But he's not so that he could be seen because he doesn't want people to know that, you know, he put the lion up to this. He goes up to the bear. He said, who's the king of the jungle? Certainly, lion, you're the king of the jungle. He goes to the cheetah. Uh, who's the king of the jungle? Certainly, lion, you're the king of the jungle. He goes to the leopard, le leopard, and he said, who's the king of the jungle? Certainly, lion, you're the king of the jungle. He goes over to the elephant. He said, elephant, who's the king of the jungle? And at this time, you know, the elephant is the one that's really been giving the mouse a hard time. The mouse steps out of the mane and looks at him. Who's the king of the jungle? The elephant is just looking, staring, petrified. The lion said, who's the king of the jungle? The lion takes his trunk, he grabs, a, I mean, the elephant takes his trunk, he grabs the lion, he slams him down, the mouse jumps off the lion. And he slams him down again, the mouse runs up the tree, he slams the lion up against the tree, the mouse runs toward it, he threw the lion in the water, and then the lion comes up out of the water, he said, listen, if you didn't agree, you could have just been nice about it. <laughs> but the reality of it is, <laughs> the elephant was trying to kill the mouse. But sometimes we don't always like answers to things. We don't like answers to things. And we could simply just be agreeable. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a story of Naaman. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a story of Naaman. And that's not necessarily my text, but I do want to uh, kind of start there. And Naaman has leprosy. And he wants to get rid of this leprosy. And he's told that there's someone down in Israel that can take care of that for him. So he goes down, and long story short, the prophet sends message to him, if you go and baptize yourself, dip yourself in the Jordan, you could be made whole. And he gets an attitude. That's not what I want to hear. 
That's not how I want to do it. That's not what I expect. I have leprosy, and understand, leprosy is a disease that a lot of people don't totally understand. Uh, they think that it's a wearing away of the flesh, but it's not so much a wearing away of the flesh as it is a numbing of the nerves. And because of the numbing of the nerves, you're desensitized, and you don't know that you're rubbing yourself against things, and then you get infected, and then you get sick. He said, well, I... How is he going to not even talk to me and then tell me to go dip myself in the dirty Jordan? Well, his servant said, listen, if he had told you to do something special, you'd have done that. When it comes to being anchored, God's remedy for spiritual growth, God's remedy and solution and mandate for spiritual growth and maturity in the body of Christ is really simple. But a lot of times we don't like simple. We like complex. Yeah. We, we, like, we like to do some deep things. If I tithe, then I'm going to grow spiritually. If, if, I, if I speak in tongues, then I'm going to grow spiritually. If, if I, I come to church and I serve, I'm going I'm to be that powerful. Say, if I preach the gospel, if I'm filled with the... He said, just fellowship. Yeah. Just fellowship. Keep it simple. Just fellowship. That's what he called us to do, to simply fellowship. We're going to begin this morning as we're in the same vein as we've been in, being anchored to evangelism. That's what Pastor Pitts talked about a couple of weeks ago, being anchored in evangelism. We gather to be multipliers. We gather to be multipliers. And then Pastor Reese came, he came uh, last week and he talked about being anchored to service and, and how to be the greatest of all time, serving others, being gathered to serve the mission. Today I want to talk about being anchored to community, being anchored to community. True community is not just about being geographically close to someone or, or part of the same social web network. It's about feeling connected and responsible for what happens. Humanity is our ultimate community, and everyone plays a crucial role. That's what we're called here for. Yeah. Community. That's what this is all about. Community. And we're all good with community as long as I can sit here facing forward, looking at the back of someone's head, and when the service is over, I can easily go home and then do my own thing. I'm good with that community, but that's not the community that God calls us to. That's, that's, that's not church. And we're good for redefining terms. Because we redefined church. We said church was going into a building, looking at the back of someone's head, lifting up our hands, like Simon says, and then sitting down, giving a little money and walking out. But that's not church. That's not what the term means. Matter of fact, the term is not even a religious term. It's a secular term. It's just a normal term. It's, it's, it's about being called out. Ecclesia, ecclesia. It's about a group of people being called out for a specific purpose. It's being called out for a movement. People coming together for a movement. On this, he said, I'll build my church. On this, I will build my movement on the fact that I am God, I am the Christ, and this is what we're going to share with the world. It's about moving. Oh, oh, see. See, see. It's about a movement, not a sit. This is not a sit-in. This is a movement. 
So many of us want to come in and sit in and, and occupy a space. You know, we're, we're, this is about a movement. This is about a march. This is about sharing with people. I understand where you are and I know where you want to be. And let me share with you how to get there. Let me tell you about a friend of mine that changed my world, that changed the world. Let me tell you about a movement that's going to transform your family, transform your life. So for that, in Hebrews, the writer says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the assembling or the meeting together as is the manner or the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us not forget to continue to do this thing. I know how you feel. I know what you think. I know what's comfortable for you, but let, let me tell you about what works. What I know works, what the Bible says works. And this, this word here, uh, meeting together, is episonago, meaning uh, the, uh, the word epi, meaning on, and sonago, meaning coming together. And, 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 and the proper understanding of the term is a group of people coming together for a specific purpose. Wow. Coming together for a specific purpose. Oh, you have to understand this. We're not just coming together to look at one another. We're not coming together just to feel good. We're coming together for a movement. We're coming together for a purpose. And understand, in the first century church, that coming together wasn't just in a large setting. It was in small settings. It was in smaller settings. Smaller groups being anchored together. Oh, come on, y'all. I know that's not comfortable. I know you wish that there was another way of doing this thing. I know we've been taught that there's another way of doing things, but this is the way the Bible, this is the example that we get in the scripture. And it wasn't about coming together. The Hebrew writer, he wasn't writing about coming together to ensure that he could build a large congregation or, or get large tithes and offerings so, so you could fund my trip to outer space. <laughs> Ain't no shade there, but all you people buying Amazon. Anyway. Um. <laughs> But it was, it was about this imperative to, 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 to come together for spiritual growth, to encourage one another, to be there for one another, to undergird one another, to support one another. Life is hard. Life is difficult. You heard it on, on, on just a moment on, on the screen. When, when, when sometimes when, when, when I'm enjoying something in life, I have something to celebrate. You want someone to celebrate with you. When you're going through a difficult time, you want someone to, to be there with you as you go through a difficult time. That's what it's all about, coming together to support one another. And understand, as we come together for this specific purpose, we understand that Jesus is the seabed in which we are anchored on this ocean of life. And on this ocean of life, things get difficult. Being in community is not the same as being part of the community. Being in community points only to a physical presence, but being part of the community means having the opportunity to interact and form relationships with other community members. Getting to know people, talking to people, doing life together, sharing the highs, the lows, being accountable. That's what being in community is all about. But many times in this day and age, we don't like to be accountable. We're all individuals. We don't like being challenged. My truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. What about truth being truth? What about lining up with the word of God? That's doing community. I remember there was a time in community where the community told you what was right and wrong. We didn't decide for ourselves. 
See, I don't know if you know scripture, but I remember there's a part in scripture, like, you know how when people start reading the Bible, you start at the very beginning? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how to read this. Thing. So let me just open up the first page. Well, in the very first page around the third chapter, you had a group of people that tried to decide for themselves what was right and wrong. And it just didn't end well. So, <laughs> and we're still doing it. See, this whole anchor thing, and I love how we have anchor, be an anchor. You know, what is an anchor? What's an anchor all about? Well, let me give you a Webster's definition of an anchor. The purpose of an anchor is to secure a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to wind or current. Anchors are used to combat wind and current that wants to move the vessel off course. It fixes the vessel to a certain position. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, some of y'all know Ephesians. Don't want to be tossed to and fro by every wind. Yeah, we're going to come back there in just a minute. Hold on. Yeah. But, but I, I want to talk about, you see, the difference between the believer and the non-believer. The non-believer says, I don't want to be anchored. I want to do my own thing. I want my own way. And we even bring that into the church. But God says, you must be anchored. Because the truth of the matter is you're going to anchor yourself one way or the other. You're either going to anchor yourself to God or you're going to anchor yourself to the world. But you're going to be anchored. But you need to choose who you're going to be anchored to. Matter of fact, again, if you don't know where to start, start Psalm. The first one. You can remember that one. Blessed is the man who does not walk or anchor himself to the counsel of the ungodly, mm -hmm. nor stand in the path or anchor himself to the, in the path of sinners, nor sits or anchors himself to scoffers, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and in the law of the Lord he anchors, he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree that's firmly planted by the, uh, the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does will prosper, but the wicked, they're not so. They're like the chaff of the, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinner in the assembling of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the sinner, the way of the wicked will perish. It matters. Come on. It, does. it matters where you're anchored. It matters. It matters that you're anchored. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Sometimes it's difficult in this day and age, we have so much going on. And to have another anchor, because I'm anchored to my job. I'm anchored to, to my, my children's uh, curricular, extracurricular activities. I'm anchored to, to all of these things I'm anchored to in life. I don't need another place to anchor. And now you're asking me to get involved in an anchor group. I don't have time for that. But see, I've been pastoring for quite a while, and I've seen a lot of things. I love when I ask people, you want to get involved in ministry? My plate is so full. I don't have time. I don't have time. But then you go a couple weeks, and you find out that they just, they, they just entered into grad school. I thought you didn't have time. When my child just started playing soccer, I thought you didn't have time. And then all of a sudden, when they graduate from grad school and we celebrate, now they have time. And they say, I don't have time. But you had time. See, this is the thing. When God calls us to something, sometimes if God calls you to it, we should make time. Make time. Don't wait to have time. Make time. You get sick. You don't have time to go to the doctor. 
But when you get real sick, you make time to go to the ER. (laughs) Everything stops. You make time. And when life happens, it matters where you're anchored. Dr. King said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in a moment of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at a time of challenge and controversy. And a lot of that is determined by where you stand, where you're anchored, the group that you're anchored to. If you're anchored to a group that freaks out every time something comes on the news, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be all in a tizzy. You're going to be stressed out. But if you're anchored to a group that says, you know what? I'm trusting in God, the sovereign God, the king of all creation, the the, the Lord of lords, the king. Listen, you rest in peace because that's where you're anchored. When life falls apart and you're with a group of people where their life has fallen apart and they're at peace, it keeps you at peace because it matters where you're anchored. It matters where you're anchored. When you were, the, you, you, you remember high school and all of a sudden somebody gets in your face and they act crazy, you know, they, they, they lose their mind. And then, and you, and then you have that, peop, that group of people that you're anchored to say, I wouldn't let them say that to me. This is how I'm, I got an idea how you can get them back. You know, you're anchored to the wrong group. You need to be anchored to that group that says, you know what? Just forgive and forget. Let it go on. You're better than that. Don't, don't, you know, that keeps you out of the principal's office, uh, you know, from staying home from school and you don't need to be home from school and all that kind of, uh, y'all, y'all, y'all good kids. Y'all, y'all good kids. <laughs> See, the thing is, number one, number one, I'm moving on and I only have a few minutes left. I'm anchored to community to stay grounded in wordmanship. I'm anchored in community to stay grounded in wordmanship. And some of you people with little education say that's not a word. It is now. <laughs> I looked on Google to see if, you know, and it's not a word, so I just created a word. So wordmanship. I'm anchored in the word and manship, meaning being an expert at something. I'm anchored in being an expert in studying God's word and living that thing out. That's good. Not, not just head knowledge, not just knowing it, you know, but doing it. Living it out, trusting in what God said, and believing what God said, living that thing out. I'm anchored in that. I'm anchored in being a, a master of God's word, living it out, knowing it, sharing it, preaching it, being it. I'm anchored in that. And that's what my anchor group helps me to do. And it keeps me from, from, from eisegesis, which is different from exegesis. Exegesis is studying the word and pulling out what was in the word, understanding the word in context based on the community and the time that it was written in and getting an understanding there, as opposed to eisegesis where I pour into the word meaning based on my suffering or my privilege. Yeah. There's a difference. But my, my small group, my anchor group, is built with a community of faith-filled believers who keep me from misinterpreting God's word. That challenge me. They don't let me get away with things. They call me on that. They encourage me when I want to lose hope. They help me to understand that God's word is true. And God fills these anchor groups with people. He, he equips our body. So just as he equips the larger church, just as he equips the, the local church, he equips the smaller church, the, the, the anchor groups. Yeah. And it says in Ephesians 4, he gave the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood, to the the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and, the, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But see, that's the deep version. I like to sum this thing up and make it plain. Put it down, let it walk on four, on four legs. See, uh, in the Living Bible it says, then when you're anchored to a good community, then we will no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Wow. When I'm with a group of people that's anchored in the word, become experts at the word. That's what we're calling us to. Because see, listen, listen, in order to be a multiplier, you have to be grounded in the word. And when you're grounded in the word, you're going to be a servant. You're going to serve others. You're going to serve others. And you do that in the context of community, in the context of community. And listen, God has called us to the next point. To be anchored in community is to stay in community and communion with God. To be anchored in community means to stay in communion with God. Again, I say to you that if two of you ag agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. When we come together on God's mission, he is there to lead, guide, and encourage us. See, we oftentimes read that scripture because we want to name it and claim it. Or we oftentimes read that scripture because we want to be encouraged. God is here in the midst. Listen, just because three Christians gather together doesn't mean God's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's saying, when you gather together in my name, and you say, okay, we gather together, we say Jesus a lot of times. He's, no, 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 no. When you gather together and you're on mission, when you're on his mission, not your mission, his mission. When it's about building the kingdom of God, not your kingdom. When you come together doing what God has called us to do, reaching a lost and dying world with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you're on mission about living out the love and the forgiveness and the grace of God, when you're on mission, that He's there. Why? Because it's his mission, not your mission. God inhabits the praises of his people when he's being praised, when he's being lifted up. And when we're intentional about being in community with God, we'll be in community with other people. When you're intentional about loving God, you can't help but to love other people. But we have so many people that are like First John. It's like, well, I love God. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, he's a, oh. but I can't stand those people. <laughs> Church would be so good if it were not for people. I love God's church, but can't stand those people. The church is not the building. Church is the people. It is the people. Yeah. I love Pastor Drake. He dressed so nice. He looks so good. Why are you snickering? <laughs> but I can't stand his wife. That Joe. Those kids. But I love Pastor Drake. I have people in church like that. I love, you don't love me. If you don't love my family, you don't love me. 
And the Bible says that, how, how can you say you love God in whom you have not seen and hate your brother who you have seen? Listen, if you love God, he does this funny thing about putting his spirit inside of you that makes you love other people that are not even lovable. He makes you love me when I'm just not lovable. He helps me to love others when they're just not love. He just, he puts something deep down inside you that helps you to do that thing. When you're in community with God, when you're anchored in communion with God, he changes things. He changes us. He changes us. You, you find him in his word. You accept him. And he changes because you're anchored. I believe what he said about himself. I believe what he says about me. And I'm anchored to that. And I can't let go. No matter how difficult life gets, I can't let go. And then when you're anchored to God, I'm anchored to community, to stay in connection with others. Really quickly in Acts 2 and 4, we like to talk about, not 2 and 4, 2 and 42, we like to talk about the upper room and how the Holy Spirit came and how, how it, it did these wonderful things and they ran out and they spoke in other tongues and, and, and all of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but, but what really happened there is God was developing small groups. He was developing anchor groups because when they came out and they began to share in other languages, known languages, he spoke to them, to the people they preached in everyone's own dialect. Uh, not their own cultural life, but their own community language. He spoke right where they were in their little small communities. God came down into the small groups of life and said, I'm sharing my love. I'm sharing my truth. I'm sharing my love, my gospel. And then it goes on in verse 42. They devoted themselves and they began to meet together, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles and all believed and were together, had everything in common. They sold property possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple, temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily who should be saved. That's what we're all about here at Anchor. Hope for every soul. That people would know Jesus, the hope of the world for freedom and purpose, the hope of every soul. That's our very vision is what they're saying here. And we're anchored to the mission, our very mission to worship God passionately, love others compassionately, live purposefully, give uh, 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 generously. That's what they were doing. They were gathering together, hearing the apostles' doctrine, the teaching of God, praying and worshiping. Encouraging one another, loving on one another, and sharing with one another, giving. That's what we're all about. That's where we're anchored. We're anchored in the word. We're anchored in communion with God. We're anchored in community. And we must do this even more as we're in this crazy world. I know we want to be lone rangers. I know we want to do this thing all on our own. But listen, even the lone ranger and Batman had a sidekick. Yeah, yeah. Even Superman and Spider-Man had a girlfriend. We all need somebody. We all, none of us do this thing alone. And we must be intentional. Even God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden daily. Yeah, yeah so, so listen, we, we must be intentional about this thing. 
We have to be intentional about this thing. Really quickly, in about 30 seconds, I want to share this story. I went through this training in the military, SEER training. You know, it's survival, evasion, escape, and rescue, or something like that. Basically, you don't want to get caught. If you get caught, then bad things happen, and we want to teach you how, like, if you do get caught, how not to share the secrets and all that type of stuff. So, and, and there was one thing in the training where it said simply, listen, one thing, a couple things you don't want to do. It's going to be very cold out there in the desert, so you're probably going to spoon. Nah, we're not going to do that. Uh, I don't know what spooning is, but we're not going to find out. But I don't know. We got spoon. And they said, the other thing, you don't want to be in the box. Because especially, you know, you, you're a big guy. You don't want to be in the box. Because if you don't fit in the box and they sit on the box and they close the box, you know. But see, they didn't know me. See, I'm an introvert. I'm good because you're like six feet, eight feet, ten feet away from me. We good. I'm an introvert. I'm darn near recluse. I just, I just, I like, I like me. And so, lo and behold, out there for two weeks, hungry, hadn't eaten or whatever. And then, you know, and they, they put me in the box. They put me in the box. Pastor, they put me in the box. <laughs> put a brother in the box. And they put me on my back and my knees are up and I didn't fit in the box. What's in the box? No, I didn't fit in the box. And they sat on the box. They closed the box. It's like one in the morning. They closed me up in the box. Next thing I remember, they let me out of the box. The sun was coming up because I was good in the box. Wow. All by my lonesome. That's just how introverted I am. I was happy in the box. I wasn't dealing with people. I was comfortable. But you know what? I found out that sometimes being around people are nice because when I was out there in the desert, and it was cold, and I had one little partner with me, and they gave us this little tent or whatever. It wasn't, it was like a parachute. That's all we had. We didn't have a blanket or anything, and it was cold, cold. And I realized that two people being together can share some body heat. So I found out what spooning was. Spooning was sharing some body heat because it's cold. And sometimes life gets cold, and you want to share some body heat. You need someone next to you. I was traveling across country from the west coast to the east coast. I was driving by myself and, and, and all alone. And eventually, by the time I got to, I don't know, probably Arizona, I hadn't even traveled far. I just started stopping just to hear somebody talk. You need people. Community is like a garden. It's an organic living thing. And if you neglect it, it can overgrow with weeds and suffer decline. Community must be actively maintained. All this community is a lifeblood of culture. And this is where the essence of patriotic spirit and a sense of togetherness is born. That's what God calls us to. And that's why it says in Hebrews that we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some do. That's why he says that. Our goal is to create a beloved community and this will require qualitative change in our souls as well as quantitative change in our lives. It's gonna require something. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that change? Are you ready for stop being individual, stop being just your own little family and reaching out, touching other lives, inviting them into your home, being transparent and showing them the love of Christ, showing them, you know what, being a Christian doesn't mean being perfect, doesn't mean having it all together. But it does mean trying, and it does mean being accountable. And I'm okay with you checking me. 
There's no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. That's what we care about. Loving God, loving others, being anchored in Christ. Are you ready to be anchored in Christ today? Are you ready to be transformed by the love of Jesus? Are you ready to find that love of Jesus in loving one another? Are you ready to see Jesus and experience Jesus in the context of community? Are you ready, church? Are you ready, anchor? It's so easy to be anchored in your word by yourself. Can you be anchored in God through community? Because God connects us to himself by connecting us with his children. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, right where we are for all that you're doing in this body. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity, Lord, to be connected, to be connected in you by being connected with one another. Lord, I ask that you totally transform our minds, transform our hearts from thinking that we can have this isolated, individualistic relationship with you without having other people in our lives, without loving your children. Forgive us for making uh, living in you so easy that it's just about arriving at a place once a week and then going home into our own individual lives. Forgive us for being so selfish that we want to do our own thing and ask you to forgive us and not care about others. Forgive us for reducing love for others to just a check that we put in the mail or something that we text to a number. Lord, transform our hearts and renew in us a right spirit that we will love you through loving one another and we'll love one another by doing life with one another. Lord, you do that work in us right here at Anchor Chapel, oh God. You do that work right here, oh God, that we would know you that we would know you, oh God. Be glorified in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. If you'd like to learn more about Anchor Chapel or support our ministries, you can visit anchorchapel.com or follow us on social media at Anchor Chapel. Have a great week.